Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Episode 65. It's one. It's a Tuesday towards the end of November. We're hanging out. Everybody just got done grubbing down, having some Thanksgiving food, some dinner, and being thankful for all the things that they have and are able to do in this life. And I think that's great, and I hope everybody had an amazing time. I know I'm full, still feeling fat, but enjoying life. Tonight, uh, for episode 65, I wanted to talk to somebody that's been really setting the off-road world on fire lately in a very... I would almost say a weird way because he's turned the off-road racing scene upside down. We're all used to very long, endurance, uh, tactful races, and this is something different. It's, it's much more of a sprint-style kind of moto format, um, Mr. John Day. So we're going to talk to Mr. John, but we don't just want to know about his series. We obviously want to know about his series, what's coming up in the future, but we're going to find out more about this man, where he came from, what he's been up to, and then, of course, what he plans to be doing in the future and how he plans to shape the future of off-road and continue to do so. So, Mr. John Day, as I try to bring up your video feed here, how are you doing tonight, kind sir? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me tonight. I'm doing good. That's it? You're just doing good? Yeah, I'm doing great, actually. I'm doing great. I'm, uh, our season's over here, so we're winding down a little bit. Uh, just about to get the schedule ready for next year, so a lot of hours getting ready for that. Kind of, kind of boring compared to uh, building tracks, but uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm actually heading down to um, Florida on Thursday morning, so uh, trying to get a bunch of work done before I head down there and and just uh, enjoying the night, man. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean. Shoot, we could go right into talking about Florida, but I kind of want to just tiptoe around some things a little bit because I personally have absolutely no idea who you are. I know your name's John Day. You look awesome with a mustache. I've seen a couple pictures. That's cool. But Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I mean, there are, I think there are a lot of people who are interested not just in your series, but a little bit about who you are. It seems that, you know, you. this is like the third year, if I'm correct, for your series to be around, but... You know, you guys really uh, steamed head to you know steamed ahead this year with awesomeness. And so, who are you? What is your background in the moto world? If it's off road, if it's moto, anything like that? And tell us a little bit more about why you started the series that you did. All right, man. Well, um, I guess I'll start uh, like most people. You know, my dad raced moto and woods. That sounds very familiar. So I started riding probably when I was about five or so. Um, didn't really start racing until I was about 11 or 12, but I started racing hair scrambles and, uh, you know, I, I stuck in the woods ever since. Um, probably about 16 years old or so I turned, you know, regional double a and, uh, I guess probably, you know, 18 or 19, I dabbled into a little bit of uh, GNCCs and, you know, had a, a decent amount of success, I guess, for, for just a privateer heading down, you know, in a, in a pickup truck or whatever it was. I got, you know, some top tens. And, you know, to me, that was pretty cool. Um, and then actually I was lucky enough uh, when I was, I want to say 20 or so, I got to do a, uh, a season in the uh, the World Enduros over in Europe oh, wow. for uh, Callan and Suzuki. So that was that was pretty cool too. So um, and then uh, yeah, go ahead. obviously, uh, you know, when I was 21, I, I started the, the series. And uh, here we are today. So um, – it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that you said World Enduros. I did not know that you went over there and actually were able to do a season. Now that you've mentioned that, though, I almost do see a little similarities in their sprint-style format in some of the tracks that you lay out. Would you say that there is actually some you know, reference to your time in Europe 
um, with the way that you lay out oh. tracks or? Oh, to totally, man. Totally. I mean, I mean, one thing, you know, before, obviously before we get into what our format's all about, but I know off the top, top of your head, you probably are familiar with the, uh, the extreme section at our series. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, we usually have a little bit of grass track or a little bit of moto. You know, that's kind of from the, the cross test. Yeah. And then, obviously, the, the bulk of the events are, are uh, woods. So, totally, man. I, I think that definitely sparked some ideas when I went over there. And, uh, you know, I was kind of able to see, you know, to, to me, when I went over to the World Enduros, it was like, you know, how are these guys able to have such, such big events you know, and it seemed like the spectators, were, there was so many of them, you know, and, it, and it, it all boiled down to the fact that the World Enduros have special tests on, a, you know, small closed core sections that you can easily spectate, Easy, yeah, you know, yeah, very and that to me was kind of like, you know, it was almost like, all right, that's perfect. That That's where that's why they're able to have such good spectator turnouts is because they can they can capture a lot of the action right there, you know, so that that definitely sparked a lot of ideas that that year over there. So, man. Um, that's funny because I, I didn't even make that connection until now, but yeah, I mean, thinking about it, I did, I got to go to the ISDE this year and I've watched tons of videos, but I've never really been to one of those races. And now that I have it, it, it it's, you're very, very correct in the fact that they do, they take every, they take, they put their spectators in a position to where they can, if they were to choose to access the entire test, the entire section that is there and it's only you know sometimes it's less than five or six miles long um and then they transfer yep. and they go between them and things like that and most of the time that's you know in germany there was there was a lot of trail but sometimes that's just a lot of road and that's just getting them to from test to test um what was your favorite part about being over in europe i have to ask <sighs> favorite part i mean about racing or about the lifestyle i mean there was so so much cool stuff going on i I think that uh, season I went to like over 15 different countries and um, I mean everything everything about it from the racing just to, to traveling alone was cool to me. You know, maybe for someone over in Europe it might not have been that cool, the traveling aspect, but for me it was cool. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess um, – You didn't have a girlfriend I mean, obviously over the, there though. The world, the world Enduros to me, I, I, I love them, man. I think, I think that uh, – that's a, a really cool format, and I I love those things for sure. I, I'd say that's probably my favorite is, is that that style format, which was very new to me too. But that format, I I love that format too. So awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. I think that that's a format that doesn't exist enough in the states. I don't really know what the reason is for that, but that could be something that we could possibly uh, bring to the states when we start talking more about some form of actual national off road championship coming up but so yep. we just had thanksgiving it's no shave november i notice you have no facial hair so obviously you are not participating in either no shave november or movember but you know <laughs> stepping back a week did you have a fun thanksgiving did you get to ride any did you get to you know take part in family shenanigans you know what kind of stuff did you get yourself into absolutely dude i got myself into a new sx 125 oh, um snap. So, I mean, I, I, dude, my knee, I hurt my knee in uh, the fall, and I've been waiting months to try to get it better now. And um, finally, I uh, – actually, i got to stop you. What, what do you have there for drink? Oh, that is, is that, that an Oktoberfest? Uh, oh, close. We can have a whole new section. It's called What Are You Drinking? Ten, uh, so I, I got my Vita Brevis koozie here. got a shout-out to my boys at Vita Brevis Clothing. And then uh, okay. I've got – what is this? The blue moon, Ooh, nice. but it's the Harvest Pumpkin Ale. 
Um, I, I, okay. I was at Sam's and they had like a 25 pack or whatever. I don't know. It was an even number, but still of uh, different types of blue moons that they were offering. And oh my gosh, this is actually really, it's beer that you can't drink a ton of. I think it's kind of sweet, totally. but you can have one or two of them. And then it's like blue moons are the same thing with any wheat beer. You can only have X a number of them, but what about you? So it's the new yep. segment. We just, I, I'm in the same boat. I, if you kind of can see, I had a, I got a Sam Adams Oktoberfest, um, Looks like a similar bottle, oh, yeah, so I was like, sure. "Oh, maybe we have the same thing." But that's okay. And of course, I got the KTM koozie. I got a rep KTM. So hey, you, dude, KTM fanboy over here, don't you worry about that. I've got freaking. Nice. It sucks because behind me, I'm so disorganized, and it's very unfortunate because I actually have so much moto crap. But we moved into a new house, and you just you don't ever get moved into a new house for at least five years. I don't think. So yep. clo- I, I'm in the same boat right now. This is my closest bit of KTM memorabilia. It's the new David Knight uh, Manx coin. Uh, so David Knight's now yes. on a coin. I have talked about it. I'm yes. excited. And this is it. It comes with the coin right there and a piece of tire, as they call it. A piece of a tire? Probably rubber, yeah. That is sick. <laughs> so sick. I'm excited. It's probably one of the strangest things ever, but that's okay. You guys should go pick it up. That's you awesome, man. It. Okay. So you just got an SX125. Please tell me more about Sorry. this. Yeah. So, to, yeah, to continue, you know, I uh, my knee was hurt, and finally it started to feel a little better, enough to where I could go out and ride, and uh, that's what I did, man. I got an SX125 last week or two weeks ago, and that's how I pretty much spent my uh, Thanksgiving week, just finally enjoying myself a little bit, had a little bit of time to rest. We've been full blast since uh, the springtime, so with the series, and, and that's what I did. Obviously, I ate some turkey and everything too, but that was the highlight was the SX125. Yeah, no, I think so. that's that's quite a highlight to have for sure. Um, I didn't do too much riding. I got out of my mountain bike, had a little bit of fun, but we actually hosted Thanksgiving for the first time here at our house, uh, my okay. wife and everything, and that's insane. I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up riding the same thing as you were talking about with your dad, but I have a very small family. We are pretty much a twig. Okay, uh, there's me, my sister, my mom, and my dad. That's it. Four of us. That's it. That's all that's left. And my wife has a huge family. So the fact that we had everybody over here, I had a uh, fantastic time with them, though. I've always thought I'd like having a big family. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. I think everybody should have as many kids as they can as long as they think they can afford them. If not, you probably should just practice, you know, be safe (laughs) about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it was great. It was a great time. So – I really enjoyed it. I wanted to look. I look forward to talking to you though, because I got a chance to look around and dig into your site, pick up a bunch of news and stuff like that. Because I really did. I, I mean, this series this year um, really came out of the blue for me. I mean, you were seeing multiple guys going out and making edits out there. You know, Rob Mitchell did a great job when uh, I don't remember which one it was. Do you, which yep. one did he come out to? Was it Barnesway? He he went to the first two. Yeah, uh, Red Dragon and Barnes Way, and yeah, man, he he killed it with both his edits for okay, sure. Yeah, and it's so it's little things like that that this series just kind of to me anyway just kind of came out of nowhere. Now I'm way down in Texas, yeah. so I'm nef- definitely not going to get a lot of the Northeast stuff without digging around. But it stands right. out on your site: the future of off-road racing has arrived. To me, bold statement. So I want to know where that idea comes from not just in the series but okay. why you would name your series jd off-road and then you know put put a tagline like that behind it yeah well i mean again i guess it would probably go back to like you said or like i said you know i grew up racing off-road so 
Um, obviously, the Enduros, the Hair Scrambles, the, the long distance type formats. And uh, through the years, racing the GNCCs, World Enduros, it, I guess the kind of the vibe that I got was that there was awesome stuff about off-road racing going on. And it always seemed like it would happen, you know, 10 miles from the nearest spectator. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, how many, as a, uh, as a racer yourself, how many times have you been in an awesome battle or had some epic crash or some epic close call? And it's like, you're 13 miles out. No one sees it. You're like, if anyone only seen that, you know? And, and to me, I think that's a huge part that the sport's missing out on is capturing some of that cool action, you know? And I think that, you know, if spectators can, can see exactly, you know, what's going on out in the woods that, uh, you know, it, it could be a lot bigger than it is right now. I mean, I'm not saying I, I love off-road and the long distance stuff as a racer, I'll probably still race it. But I really think that, um, you know, if we, if the sport wants to grow, we definitely need to start having, you know, something that, um, people can spectate a little bit better. And then also something with that sponsors can maybe, um, feel like they're they're getting more bang for their buck um, as as far as you know their rider just isn't going into the woods and coming out three hours later you know right um okay um I'm gonna try the reason why I'm kind of looking like I'm showing you my armpit is because I'm actually taking notes because I kind of I want to make sure that everything you say really sticks through and goes somewhere now as I mentioned it seems like your your series is actually about three years old did I have that right um, yep. Uh, the, the first year we did it, it was just like a couple, uh, we did three races, just like one off events, no, se no series, no points. And then, uh, last year was our first full like championship, uh, like points calculating series. And then this year was our second. So. Okay. So then some of the, cause I actually, as I, as I said, when I was searching around, I found some pictures of Nate Canny back when he was on a KTM at what was a J day yep. off road event. So I would imagine then that that was probably one of some of the, the one off events you were talking about. Yep. That was actually our, our first event. Yep. Awesome. And it looked like he won that too. So that was uh, definitely, definitely good for him. <laughs> yep. So yeah, he, he killed it that day for sure. Okay. And so who was it that won your overall last year? Cause we know it was 2012 was Johnny Garor, Garar, Gerard, jeez. Yep. You, yep. You know what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say here. Johnny G. Johnny, we'll call him Johnny, Johnny G. G. Makes it much. It sounds much more northeastern as well. So that definitely. Yeah. Makes it easier. Yeah. Hey, Johnny G. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So 2011. Um, tell us about that and, season and who won, and then tell us a little bit more about 2012 and how it went for you, and you know if it was what you expected. The year. Sorry. What was that? Who won the year before? Yeah. How did, or uh, 2011? Who was your overall winner? Okay, uh, Jake Corn. I'm sure you've heard that yes. name before, Jake Corn. Yes, he's uh, he's probably the uh, the best guy to come out of New England at least since since I've been around. Anyways, uh, I think he has like he's uh, he's won everything there is to win in New England, and he had an outstanding privateer effort uh, at the GNCCs too. But um, unfortunately, wasn't too many rides around right now because the economy. You know. Yeah. No. For sure. Um, okay. And then, so we come to 2012, as I was saying, you wind up getting a, much, a lot more coverage. Uh, you know, yep. people are watching, people are paying attention. You're starting to get more, more riders, more attendees to your races and things like that. And you're starting to grow. 
So throughout the season, as yep. this was happening, did that change your series any? Did that change any of your thoughts moving forward with how the series was going to work? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, it didn't change anything as far as the series go, I wouldn't say, but definitely a lot more ideas started popping into my head. Like I started getting flooded with emails from people from as far as California, you know, Oh, bring the J days out, out here, bring, you know, bring them out here, all different areas. And I'm, and I'm starting to think to myself, you know, maybe this is something that, um, could realistically go beyond new England and actually, you know, not be that far fetched of an idea, you know? So, um, it, it didn't change anything as far as format wise, but, uh, definitely kind of my thoughts for the future for sure. Okay. And just a quick, for any of those watching or listening that may not know the format of the J-Day off-road series. Now, you can obviously correct me if I get this wrong, but it is two 30-minute motos, and what you guys typically seem to have between maybe a two- to five-mile uh, long trail with what we're calling a motocross section, a grass track section, and an extreme section. Is that about cover it? Um, I, I would word it a little bit differently okay, go ahead. and I, and I know you word it <laughs> you're in the same boat as a lot of people because I think that's kind of what the website gives okay. off. But, um, I guess if I had to describe it, I would say that it's a woods, it's an off-road race with a motocross format. Um, the average is a two mile course altogether, you know, a compact course you know, very easy to spectate, very easy to, to cover on uh, on camera or, or media media wise. Um, even though you know the website sometimes said, I think it says two to four miles. Right. We've probably never had anything beyond like two point three. Uh, actually, we shoot for roughly like a four to five minute lap time for the pros. And another thing too, I I definitely want to clear up because I I kind of think that. Um, maybe because of the edits and maybe because of the website a little bit, people think that it's, it's almost like a hybrid series, but it couldn't be anything farther, farther from that. It's, it's a wood series with a, a splash of grass track or moto. And, uh, and it always has a, the, the KTM extreme section is always like a, a natural or man-made section that, that, uh, the spectators especially like, it's like, you know, whether it's, uh, enduro cross style section or a natural hill climb or whatever it is but that's the biggest thing I, I could probably try to um correct you in is that it's not as much moto as i think people kind of think it is you know we're, we're not trying to be a hybrid series we're trying to be an, an off-road series for sure um i am glad that you cleared that up because you're absolutely correct from the from some of the edits and i having done edits by no means do i think i've done them well but by having done edits I would kind of see why some of them would come off more moto e because those are the more open parts of the track. You can kind of, you can kind of see where you want to go. You can kind of see your angles from a distance, you know. And if you don't, if you don't have the ability to get there hours before the race and set up and maybe like figure out where you know you're going to go and get your shots, absolutely. Like that. So when you're kind of walking around the field, it does, or walking around, you know, the more open bits where everybody's at. It might make it a yep. little bit easier to get a bunch of shots easily and quickly to then come back and edit. So. Well, good. Absolutely, man. I mean, I I have two full time video guys, and uh, they do an excellent job. And I'm always trying to tell them, hey, man, try to try to stay in the woods as much as you can, you know, because I don't I don't want people to be, you know, thinking that we're in a hybrid series or people to get scared away, not thinking that we're like truly off road, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so then for 2013, for us to grow something like this, do I get? I, I want to preface it just a little bit. I love uh, downhill mountain biking. I've been competing and watching in that for a very, very long time, especially on the European circuit um, where they actually have okay. it. it is phenomenal. And what they do when they set up these races, they're what you're talking about. You know, they're these shorter style tracks. Downhill, obviously, big jumps, things like that. But because of the fact that it's a shorter track and they're maybe three to five minute, not if it's a long track, it's typically like two to four minutes long, they can set, they can post up camera angles, you know, prior to the race. They know where these guys are going to be. Now, I would imagine that you could probably get, I don't know, five to six cameras set up pre race and then actually live stream this, these events um, onto the internet. Now, it, it, is there a possibility of something like that in the future? Have you thought of anything like that? Um, or Oh, a- what absolutely, man. I think about it every day. It, the races would be so easy to cover. I mean, realistically, they're not much longer than, say, an outdoor national. You know, so realistically, if you had the, you know, a, a, small, a small effort, you could probably cover it really, really good. Um, and I think that's one thing that in the future will really set us aside for off-road it, it, it's so easy to cover. It's so easy to spectate. Um, it really gives off that, that atmosphere when you're there too. It, it's just like a really friendly atmosphere where you can follow the race and, and bring someone. And I mean, I, I can't tell me how many times growing up, I brought friends to a, my local hair scramble and it's <laughs> like, they see me, they see me buzz by for five seconds. And then they weren't even sure if it was me because I was so muddy. And then I buzz by and then they, they, they don't see me again for a half hour. So it's like, on the other hand, at the J days, you get to see the action, and not only is it off-road action, but compared to a, a pace when you're trying to ride three hours, when you're trying to ride 30 minutes, man, they're riding on the edge, and it definitely, you know, they definitely, they're riding. I don't want to say out of control, but it's definitely a, a better spectating show for sure because people aren't, they're not putting any holding anything for later. They're just you know, full throttle all out. So yeah, definitely. I mean. It- you know, the GNCCs used to have kind of a, a stigma with that where they would kind of be like, they'd ride around for two hours and the last hour they'd start racing. But when you got 30 minutes to make shit happen, you got 30 minutes to make shit happen. You can't let two turns go without somebody trying to pass somebody. Um, okay, so uh, I was skeptical of uh, of this at first, and I think it was a little bit of, of me being ignorant, honestly. I think like we, we've talked about... Uh, you know, both of us did grow up in kind of your more traditional off-road uh, yep. genres. Yep. Um, and, and, and I think I first didn't know what it was. I was afraid I turned into an old guy, and I just said no because of the fact that it felt wrong. The, yep. I, I want to see more videos. I want to come to a race, and I want to watch. I don't want to race because I will get my ass kicked because I'm not fast enough. Those guys are so bleeping fast. But... So I want to be there. I know that this has got something to it. People are excited. They want to see it. 2013, you're going to make things bigger and you're going to make things better. You're going to be at uh, Bike Week Saturday, March 9th before the entire Bike Week gets going at one of the local motocross tracks down there. So give us give us some backstory on this. Is, is this you taking over the world? Is this just, you know, testing the waters? You're looking for factory backing for teams to come out? You know, what's the plans with all this? Totally, man. I mean, Florida is just like you said, I think definitely testing the waters. Um, I would definitely say that regardless of how it goes, you know, 
I know people have the GNCC on Tuesday, so I wouldn't be surprised if a, if a lot it was too close for them. But like you said, it's definitely testing the waters. Um, I'm also How much is in a couple weeks. I, I'm heading down to uh, some southern level? locations too to look out look at some spots. Um, it it's tough to really say right now, man. I mean, I I think it all kind of depends on the economy. One thing's for sure is the New England circuit's not going anywhere. Um, the big question is the economy going to be good enough to where if I had almost, if you want to call it a national series, are people going to travel out of their region to do a series, you know, a series like that? So if the economy was probably like it was 10 years ago, I probably would. Yeah, I would, I would go for it sooner than later. But, uh, right now I think more likely in the future, I'll probably, maybe test out a, a Southern series next winter. So have a Northern and a Southern series and then kind of see how the economy looks. And if there's, if, if there's, if there's the kind of factory backing right now, it's like people aren't going to travel to the nationals and it's only for pride pretty much for a lot of guys, right. you know? So it's like, it's not, it's not the time to really do that. I feel like right now, but in a couple of years, ultimately I want to be the premier series of course, but it's definitely a lot to do with the economy too. Man, well, that's pretty cool. Um, having never really been a, a professional by any means, I've never really been paid for racing, just always paying to do it. What do you think it's going to take for some of the the teams, be it a factory back team or more of these little privateer effort teams, to come up to one back, you know, maybe uh, riders in your series, and then also for you know more riders like in the GNCC series and Heron Hounds and things like that, like National Enduro, to start getting more backing. Do you have any ideas on how we as a series or we as a community can kind of change the stigma of all the factory guys pulling out and nobody having rides? Can you, so can you repeat that? Um, yeah. Are you saying how, as an off-roader, yeah. how is that going to happen or, as, okay. or, or getting them to my series? Yeah, no. Well, okay, I guess there's a little bit of both in that because of the fact that I know that you're a series promoter, but you've also got a really good racer head on you if you've made it into the world Enduros. So how do you see it? Let's see it as a promoter. As a promoter, how do you expect to be able to get more factory riders and more factory teams to your series? Absolutely. First off... You know, let's use, you know, the biggest um, series probably on, on two wheels are, are probably what, like Supercross and MX. Right. I think right there, it, it's, it's, it's obvious. You know, what really is their bread and butter is the fact that they're so spectator friendly. Um, you know, the, the, the big show is what it's all about. You can follow the racing action, and in the end, you know, the – that's I think what drives people to, to want to sponsor and want to invest in the sport, you know, and I think that's kind of what scares people away from off road is it's only the diehards that are really are going to want to invest it in like the, the long distance stuff, you know, because it's very, it's very difficult to spectate, you know, at an enduro or a hair scramble. So the companies are going to wonder, you know, are, are what we investing in, are we getting our, our return back? You know? So I think, that's kind of exactly why I started the series. If you go to a, a, a J day, um, I, I think it, it's tough to describe the atmosphere, but that's kind of what I have in, in my head for a vision is to go to an off-road race. You know, you can follow the action the whole way around, you know, w watch the racing unfold. 
Um, and I think that from a sponsor standpoint and from like the factory teams, they'll get more bang for their buck when they can, you know, when you can follow your rider the whole way around, when people are lining the entire track, um, and more importantly for the, for big time down the road, television, television coverage, you know, um, I, th- I think as good as those guys do with, with television coverage for like some of the long distance stuff right now, it's, it's just, it, it's so hard to, to be that good with that kind of format. Um, it's, it, it doesn't really have much more room to grow, I guess, as far as, you know, television, I mean, how, how good are you going to be able to televise a national enduro, you know, or a 13 as, mile as, loop on a track as, and believe me, don't, don't get me wrong. I love those series, but I'm just saying uh, as a sport, it's, it's very difficult to televise it. And I think, um, it, it's very difficult to, to almost impress people with it as racers. We know how sweet it is and we know how talented those guys are, but average Joe over here, you know, it's like you show him a video of a national enduro and he, he's going to lose interest unless he, he's been to one. And he knows what's going on, you know, but I've always said this from day one, dude, that as a, as a spectator that knows nothing, if you bring them to a mud pit at your local GNCC or, an, or a gnarly section and all of a sudden a pro comes by, hydroplanes some crazy mud section with roots and rocks and, and ruts, he's going to be just as interested watching a section like that as he is, say, seeing his favorite rider do a triple. I think it's just as exciting. The problem is, is that if he goes to an off-road event – He's going to see that guy go by and do that one time and never see him for another half an hour. Whereas if he goes to a supercross or a motocross, he's going to see the same guy hit the triple and then he goes around the corner, hits a whoop section and he falls the whole way. And that's how they're able to get into it. And I think that in, in the end really builds up the sport, you know, to, to why those are so popular and off roads not. I mean, look, look at enduro cross is a good example. I mean, I, I think, um, in a very short time, they've had a lot of success. I think for the sole fact that it's, you can watch the whole thing and you can really, you know, get into it. So, yeah. Um, I definitely want to see more, uh, spectators on the sidelines with chainsaws. Uh, I saw a lot of, I saw one of those guys. I've seen a lot at downhill races. I saw one of those guys at the ISDE. I'm telling you, man, you definitely know, you definitely know your audience. You know what you want to do. That's good because of the fact that I think that, you know, with you going south to Florida, you are possibly going to start a direct competition with, you know, other series. Um, right now, being mm-hmm. in the Northeast, you know, I, not that people don't see you as a threat um, from more of the, you know, global look of other series. Yeah. But, you know, with you going south and with you starting to branch out, people are going to start to go, uh-oh, he's kind of approaching on our territory. Not that they really have territory, but they just, they're comfortable. Yeah. They're comfortable in those situations. And you're offering totally. people something that they've been trying to figure out for years. They never figure out how to do it. You're starting to figure out how to do it. So being that you might start competing with some of these other series to try to become more of the premier off series, off road series, you know, it, what are you going to do when you start having to compete against those guys? It's going to change anything. Are you going to make any different decisions or you just kind of have your view and you know, you're going to run with it. That's it, man. I have my, uh, you know, my vision in my head. I'm just going to run with it. Um, you know, the, the same way I did up here in New England, just kind of ease into it and then, uh, you know, take it from there, see how people react to it. I, I tell you what, I mean, if, if anyone, 
this is a perfect example. Up, up here in New England, you know, there's there were so many doubters and so many diehards that you know that oh, it will never work. It, it's that's no good. But then as soon as they go to one, they're hooked, you know. And and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the diehard guys that love the nasty hair scrambles and enduros and stuff now all of a sudden, okay, I see what you're trying to get at. Okay, th- this is cool for the sport, you know. So I think um, it's it's a matter of getting people to to try it out. But I, I definitely I, I also see I know it's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough at the same time too because obviously I'm just myself and we got other series around here that or like the GNCCs or Enduros that have been around since way before I was even born so it it's definitely it's gonna be a a a battle but I think in the end um, who who knows not not to say that two couldn't two couldn't work I don't think hair scrambles or Enduros are going anywhere for sure. But I think in the end, the type of package that, that we offer for the sponsors and the riders and, and the type of coverage, I think in the end that they they might see that as more, you know, a, a cooler place to be. But who knows? You know, it, it, it's tough to tell right now. I don't want to put, um, you know, scare anyone away or, or try to be like that guy. Like, look out, I'm coming in, you know, because <laughs> – because you'll probably catch me racing the Florida GNCC two days after my event too, you know. So it's not like I'm like that guy like coming in like look out, you know. But hey, but I definitely okay. So I, I de- if I show up at the Florida race, I'm an A rider, you know. Uh, what class do you want me to get in? I'm I'm 33 years old. Should I be in your in your 30 plus A class or should I be in in something else and then race, you know, on Tuesday or what's what do you think? What do you recommend for a a, a lowly a low life like myself? exactly what you said either would work fine i mean the the vet a class would work fine and then depending on what bike what kind of bike you have uh, i have a 300 xc Two- so you'd race a, a open so yeah you could race i mean i i'd recommend in your case a open goes off behind the pro class i'd recommend if you're a 30 plus race <laughs> i don't a vet. i don't want to be that close to those sons of bitches <laughs> race the a vet class a half hour early and you can spectate the pro race and dude i can tell you from being a pro myself dude it's a cool show man it's a cool (laughs) show for sure that's awesome yeah there's a uh, there's a really good chance i'm going to be down in uh at at bike week uh doing some stuff with the gncc guys we're trying to net that out see if that works out if it does it's going to be awesome obviously i'll be able to be down there for the for the whole shenanigans and then going to georgia but we'll see but man if i'm down there I'm going to come. I want to check it out. I, cool. I definitely – one of the things, too, that I read on your Facebook wall that freaked me out is that you're having this winter series that you have. There are studded tires. What the fuck? How did – does that not scare the crap out of you? Are you just not afraid that you're going to die getting run over by those things? You know you what? those in the snow? You know what? It, it never scared me until I became a promoter. I uh... <laughs> Insurance. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. I I I raced in the snow all my life, and I, just like a lot of people up here in New England, and uh, never really thought about it like that. You know, spike tires, and actually, even though you know one of my my best friends, Jake Corn, like I like I said, he he almost lost a finger. I remember one snow race because someone ran his finger over. But uh, yeah, I never thought of it like that too. But as a promoter now, I'm always on the on the line at the winter events. I'm like, listen, this is the winter series. It's not the premier the regular championship series. Take it easy into that first corner, will you? You know, but uh, that that stuff is scary, man. But I, I'm I'm hoping we get some good snow this winter. Last year we did the winter series for the first year, 
and we didn't get any snow. We had like a mild, strange winter last year. But uh, this year, if we get some snow, it'd be nice to to pack in the snow. And it, I know you probably never ridden snow, Absolutely but not. if you can pack it in, <laughs> if you can pack it in, pretty cool. It's almost like a rail. You know, you can just you can. It's awesome conditions if it, if it's right. So it you know. Gets and then on tacky. the other hand, yeah, it, exactly. Like it, it usually ruts up and it's kind of frozen a little uh, bit. So. Okay. You can kind of hold it. It's it, hold it around the corner. It's tough to say. I, it's either horrible conditions or great conditions <laughs> in the snow. So if you have too much, it's like riding in like a foot of mud. So well, uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned the the kind of crappy conditions because down here our winter series, the Toro organization. Uh, I think when I started racing it in like 2007, man, we had mud race after mud race after mud race, and now all we have is like dry, dusty, almost almost warm events. I don't know if it's global warming right. or if it was the Mayans or what's going on, but man, we need to, I kind of almost want to have a mud race again, just because it, what the hell right. this is kind of freaking me out. Okay. So obviously your winter series is something that I think, are you, do you are your video guys going to be out there? Cause I haven't seen this. I want to see it. I'm excited for this. They will be there. Yes, they will be there. Okay. Well, you need to tell them to make sure they get some awesome extra footage for me, okay? Because I want to see some Okay. Of All right. For sure. So, obviously, you've given us a little bit of insight onto essentially how you plan to take over the world. But besides you, besides that, um, we've had a lot of questions recently. Once Kawasaki backed out, you know, it was like we've talked a lot about what do we need to do? It's going to be more privateer teams, all that kinds of stuff. I think more of an underlying thing is how are we going to get more of an actual national series that people can watch, that people can take part in. Again, I, I, I do have some uh, initial skepticism uh, to, I guess, your format being the off-road format, but yep. I don't. that's not to say that your series couldn't be maybe part of a national format. You know, there was a Brian LaDuke on Twitter was mentioning, you know, maybe we could kind of get all the organizations on board to allow like two of their events to be national points towards, you know, an, an eventual national championship at the end of the year. Um, does anything kind of, I just see a lot of logistics and a lot of political crap going, going wrong with that. I wish it would work. I just don't see those guys sitting down and actually doing that as a promoter. Something like that. What does that make you? How does that make you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would never, uh, I would never myself go with that. For me, it's just like I, I feel so strongly about the stuff in my series as the, as to why I do it that I would never do, you know, a part of a national series type thing. Or I, I'm not. If that's what he's saying, like maybe what, like two enduros, two J days, two yeah. G. Is that what he's saying? I believe that. That's the way that I understood it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would never participate, but um, I also see, like, like he's probably thinking too. It's probably there's so many different forms of off road. It's kind of tough to really put your finger on one, you know. Yeah. Whereas like motocross, you just have plain old motocross, you know. So it's like, I see where he's coming from on that, you know. Yeah. Um. And it would be interesting too if we could almost have, you know, we have the, I think. One of the things I've thought about is that, say, like the International Six Day Enduro, um, 
Yep. We don't have anything like that except the qualifiers that a- the AMA put on, and they don't really put them on. They kind of just sanction other people's races, and they do a two-day event. I got to do one this past year. Freaking loved it. I thought the format was yep. awesome. You know, excuse yep. me, something like that, you know, like the four-day that the freaking Aussies do. Why don't we have something yep. like that? We need something like that. I think if we're going to do some form of national off-road championship that it's going to be a four-day event like that where you can throw in your enduro test you can throw in your cross test you can throw in your grass tracks your motos your things like that and it it, it then becomes combined and you don't have to worry about going out to all these series you just create it right there throughout four days i mean what do you think What, what would be the best place for us to hold something like that and don't say the northeast but you can say the northeast no, that that's the worst place to hold something like that in the Northeast, man. That, honestly, a, another thing too in the Northeast is just finding the land. You know, like well, the Europeans have dude, the same yeah, problem, yeah. and that's why they have yeah. so many short tests, is because they go from yep. like farm to farm, you know, with guys right. that allow them to essentially like. So I mean, it's just. I mean, you're you're, you're talking to the wrong guy if you want to talk about form national formats. You already know which format I think is good, but. I mean, as far as like uh, the four day thing, you know, I you saying you, you I, saying I mean, you'd you, come out? I the totally, race. I totally love that idea. I really do. You, you, you know, come those race. kind of events, you know. But I, um, yeah, as far as like national format, I you already know what I think should be uh, the the style right. format, you know. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. You're a promoter. It is, man. It, <laughs> it is, and then you got to take into account the type of the type of uh, terrain, you know, it's like, look at out, out, out west, you know, I, not that I, not that I've ever been there, but it seems like it'd be very difficult to kind of have, say, like what what we're doing out west. We, I know our, a lot of our tracks are kind of, uh, you know, in in the mountains and the forests, stuff like that. And then you, you look at the work series, and it looks like a lot of it's like kind of, um, you know, like desert type stuff. And same with like. Um, I, I guess like that whole Western region, that's why they probably have races like Baja because it's all there really is out there. There's a lot of that type of vegetation. There's not really a lot of dense forest, I guess. I don't know. So it's like I feel like that's why in that region those races are big. But then all of a sudden in the Carolinas you have a lot of tight enduros because that's what they have to offer for tr- for forests, you know. But No, you're absolutely right. I mean what you guys seem to have, and I, I'm appalled – in a good way, by the video that I've seen up there, is the fact that you guys have such loamy freaking dirt. Um, I don't know what what causes that or what. It just seems that you guys have amazing oh. freaking traction up there. But you, it's it's awesome, man. It, it, it that's another reason too. It's like we have the perfect ingredients up here for like good off road riding. So it makes me question if I want to go anywhere else, you know? Because I I can easily imagine that. Um, the, the the tracks not being as great if say if, if it wasn't for some of the 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 cool elevation and the, and the cool dirt and just the just the makeup of it you know but yeah no it was a solid point too on the fact that like if you do you start going south you know you're gonna run into way more tight woods so and it seems like you guys keep your trail your tracks pretty wide so are you gonna wind up having to bulldoze some trees down stuff like that you go out west you're gonna have to water the crap out of it because it's gonna be so dry you know, is Kirk Caselli going to beat everybody because he's a badass in the open desert? I don't know, but I still love the guy, so it's whatever. Right. <laughs> right. So do you have a favorite off-road racer? Uh, Yuha Salman always takes the cake. 
Wow. Man, actually, that's really good because he what he won the GNCCs, came over, won in 2005-2006. Before that, obviously a badass in Europe uh, on the World Enduro yep. Circuit. Still pretty much a badass in the World Enduro Circuit. Had a bad year this year at the ISDE. That's a really good pick. That's a really good pick. Obviously, on the international sure. circuit, I kind of like, I am a David Knight fan. He, uh, so, you know, there's that. But Kurt, Kurt Yep, no, he, he's definitely up there, too. Um, Selly's my boy. Kurt, also awesome rider. Awesome. Always look up to him, too. Um, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them. The list definitely goes on. I also, uh, Shane Watts, growing up, I definitely, when I was a little guy, I, Shane Watts was uh, who I looked up to, for sure. Yeah, he's, um, he's definitely one yeah. of the guys that's railing ruts and nailing sluts, or whatever whatever the, the, the coin phrase might be. We, we, could, we could probably, unfortunately, relate that, or fortunately relate that to Shane Watts. Yeah, he, it's funny. He's actually going to be uh, the guest speaker this year. We were just talking about the TSEC banquet nice. that we're holding. He's going to be the guest speaker there. So if anybody feels like they want to uh, – I, I'm anxious to hear because I, I've talked with Shane Watts, done a couple tequila shots, had a few beers – We've had some good conversation, so I'm looking forward to seeing if we can get him uh, past quality control and uh, having a good time at the TSEC banquet so we can get some good stories. All right, dude. Well, uh, I told you that I wanted you to come up with some fun stuff to talk about, too. So did you have anything of you know news these days that has come out that just totally piqued your interest? Ah... Uh... I mean, off the top of my head, um, I mean, I guess something worth talking about is just uh, it's kind of funny how the team seem to be pulling out a little bit of off-road, you know, but yet, you know, GNCC series last year had, what, their second best turnout ever to date? That's correct. You know, that, that definitely was a interesting point I found, I don't know, interesting. And I don't know if it's, uh, if it's just because Kawasaki was doing so, so bad for those guys pulling out West or, I mean, it just, it just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of, a lot of teams are just pulling out in general. And it makes you wonder if it's because the economy or is it because they're not getting what they want out of the, I don't know different formats or different off-road series. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what what do, what do you think? Do you do you think that um, it's because of they're not getting the bang for the buck, or you think it's simply because of the economy? Um, I don't blame the economy anymore. The problem with blaming the economy is that we were able to do it when the economy actually tanked. The economy is doing better. I'm not going to say it's where it was, but the economy is doing better at this point. Everybody should have learned their lessons about what they were doing poorly in the fact that they weren't planning ahead um, for bad times. Bad times have come, they've gone, we've learned. We should now be learning how to make money in the times that we're in. Um, and if we can't do that, then obviously we're having issues with uh, more business management than we are actually just keeping money or making okay. money. It, it's kind of like, so that, it's a, obviously I'm a little jaded on like the whole economy blaming thing, but... 2009, yep. so GNCC is a good a good way to look at it. 2009, Paul Wibley wins on a Kawasaki. They pull out after he wins. 2010, Josh Strang wins on a Suzuki. Suzuki pulls out after he wins. You know, it, it's like, you know, and then we go to Charlie Mullins with 2011. Obviously, KTM has not pulled out. 
Um, and then Paul Wibley's back now with another win for 2012 on Yamaha. Yamaha's not pulling out, but it's still not Yamaha-backed factory team. Um, so right. I, I, it, it's an interesting point that you made that they may not be getting the bang for their buck because I think it. I think maybe they got a little lazy and they haven't figured it out. The yep. car guys, they got a really – I mean, the fact that they got bailed out um, – I'm not a political guy. I'm not going to talk about political shit, but that is a big, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. big point. You know, like say like a lot of these manufacturers are car manufacturers as well, or are associated with car manufacturers from, um, you know, Asia. So, or the Orient. And so they got a bailout. They got this money. They got things to figure things yeah. out. They could move things around. Other people didn't get that. Other organizations didn't get that. So, maybe they were just looking for something of the same accord or they were just like, well, you know what, we'll kind of ride it out and see how it goes. And instead of making great decisions and, and, you know, actually fixing the problem, getting the people that made bad decisions out of the way and starting afresh, they never did that. And all of a sudden they're still realizing, Oh my God, even though the economy is getting better, we're still in this latency period where we're not just making decisions. Um, I learned a lot about this from all the technology, you know, being based in the internet and making websites and, and really kind of trying to you know, move forward in the consulting world that sometimes you just have to cut the fat and move on. The problem is, is I don't think the fat to cut is the riders and the people that are using your products. Um, and absolutely, so man. I, I mean, I don't know if that, anything I just that's always like sense, but what that's I say too. I'm, it's kind of where I guess I'm coming from on all that. So as, as stupid as it sounds, it, it's almost like to me, the very last thing you should cut are your factory riders and your satellite teams and all that stuff because I mean I look at I look at it from like the New England standpoint I can't tell you how many parents and how many people I use like my my, my buddy Jake Corn as an example perfect amateur career won everything he could win in New England trained his ass off went to the GNCCs he was the top privateer beating factory riders um, you know, guys with rides. I think he finished as the top privateer for the year, like in the point standings. And then he wasn't, you know, he he didn't get anything. And then Owls, and then you know, he obviously, I'm sure he was upset with it, you know. And then he went home, and then everyone's asking him, "Why aren't you going back to the jeans?" He's like, I'm, "I don't have, you know, I, I can't just keep dishing out thirty grand a year to race. It costs money. I'm not getting anything in return." And then what does that do to the New England community? Now everyone and their brother, you talk to them, and you know their their kids their kids want to go race GNCCs or they, they want to go race and be a pro off road, and their parents are saying, "There's nothing to go be. Yeah. There's no pro- so so." Then in that aspect, you know that you look at the the amateur motocrossers and all that stuff, and they're dishing thousands of money or thousands of dollars away because they're they're hoping their kid can make it. And that obviously helps turn the end, you know, keep the industry going. But then it's like, if there's nothing to make, it's like people are, it's just, I feel like it's just, people are losing out more money because no one's, no one has anything to work towards. And it's just, now it's a hobby, you know, whereas I don't don't know. That's that's just my point. But obviously I'm not sitting in the sales meetings. So I don't, I don't know. That's just like me looking on the outside thinking, okay, that seems like a stupid move, but obviously I'm sure they're, they're they're where they are, so they got to be smarter than me. So yeah, um, yeah. Something that is, is is really kind of I don't know made me think in the sense of all this cutting teams and, and teams not really growing and trying to figure out how we're all going to be able to race, you know, for money. 
is the fact that KTM continues to support, continues to innovate, and continues to hire new riders. I, I really think it's because of the fact that they keep they, they, they will push the envelope. They fig, you know they figured it out. They're like, we're gonna go win a championship. What did they do? They invested the money, or a, I'm sorry, they wanted to win a Supercross and Motocross championship. They obviously haven't won the Supercross championship yet. Will they? Yes. Will it be with Dungey? I don't know. But will they win one? Absolutely. Did they win a motocross championship? They did. Why? Because they wanted it, they innovated, and they built a bike and got a team to do it. Um, and from that, I mean, yep. how much money are they going to get? Because now KTM's selling motocross, where they were always the off-road bike. But, I mean, that's they yep. know, just like you're saying, that you know that off-road has to be publicized it has to be seen more and be spectated more they knew that too and they did it and now look at them i mean yep it absolutely so. man no they're, they're killing it and it just seems like they're especially so nimble and it takes the japanese 10 years to to change with an idea ktm will have it out next year you know it's that that's one thing and i don't know if it's because because of, you know they're the, the people over in Japan, it takes the idea 10 years to get over to them or, or <laughs> right. what the deal is. But I can tell you right now, I could call up the, my local KTM rep and tell him, hey, this would be awesome on this bike. And he'd probably relay the message. But yet, I bet you the, Yama, the, the, the New England Yamaha rep, or if there even is one, the Kawasaki rep, Suzuki rep, they, they don't even – he wouldn't even probably know what JDR Road is. You know, because like I, I've talked to a, a couple of reps and it's like I don't they don't – they don't specialize in just MX or off-road. He probably knows the, the the generator better than you know than the the bikes or whatever. So, but that that's just kind of like what what I see. KTM so nimble because they just specialize right in the racing racing field. So yeah, I mean, ready ready to race is definitely I mean, it's their tagline, and they they I I think they prove it to be true. I've owned now my second KTM after owning a Yamaha for a very very long Yamahas for a very very long time. Yep. Uh, and you do, I mean, you buy those bikes for, I don't know, call it eight grand back then, you know, off the floor, maybe you got a little bit of a deal, you just spent two grand on suspension and all kinds of other parts and stuff like that to get it ready for anything but motocross. And even if you're doing motocross, you're still pretty much doing your suspension where KTMs, I feel like right. you literally could go pick up a bike and you could race it. I mean, obviously there's still going to be little bits that are going to be personal and you got to change, but Totally. I really, I, I really mean, think people need to learn from that kind of stuff. You know, you, the nimble aspect yep. of it is very true. You're very, very. It's a very good point on that. Yep. Totally, man. Totally. Well, cool, dude. Well, uh, I, it's it, it's kind of interesting because one of the deals that, in case you hadn't come up with anything to talk about, I was going to mention the fact that Graham Jarvis and his main sponsor, Team Flitch or Fate or whatever, yep. just pulled out. You know, and they're not going to. I saw that. Like, so I mean, even in. It, Maybe it's money. Maybe it's the economy. You know, maybe it's whatever it is. But it's just kind of funny because then there's another rider who is top tier. I mean, he is the best. You know, hard enduro, extreme enduro, whatever you want to call it, rider right now. And he might be a support rider for Husaberg next year. And that almost kind of seems like a joke um, going into the next year. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But it just makes you wonder. You know. Again, are they getting the bang for their buck? As as cool as those events are, um, it makes you wonder. You know, I, from from a investor standpoint, by investing in Graham Jarvis to do those races, 
is he getting his money in return like like he wanted to, or is he simply investing because he's a diehard of the sport and wants to see him have a have a job, you know? Right. Where on the other hand, you know, I you you take like a, a sport like Supercross or Motocross, you know, they're investing in their teams to hopefully get get the type of investment to I don't know, people recognize their product or 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 whatever so that so that they get paid back by investing, you know? So that's kind of what, what I wonder, you know, are those extreme duros? Of course, I think they're freaking badass as all hell, but going off into the mountains and coming back eight hours later, is it, is it, is it, uh, is it a marketable, marketable thing? Well, obviously, I mean, Red Bull thinks so, but you know, do I want every single team out there to be sponsored by an energy drink? Absolutely not. Do I think? No, totally. I, I, I personally, um, I'm a responsible drinker. I'm 33 years old. Yep. I've been doing it since I was 21. I'm a, I'll tell you, I was an irresponsible drinker when I was in college because I sure as shit wasn't legal to do it, but I still did. But um, do I think that I drink because of the fact that I saw billboards of Bud Light? Absolutely not. I saw it. I drank no way. because of beer pressure. It was just what you did. Right. So if right. the fact that we don't have you know, big sponsors like some of the alcohol and some of the adult beverage companies anymore is, is kind yep. of a joke. Um, they really do create a lot of revenue. Look what they've done for a lot of other sports since they've kind of like left, you know, our our side of the motorsports. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I want them all to jump on board and us to be a bunch of alcoholics, but it, there's money there. It could do a lot for the sport as long as we do it correctly yep. and not just try to grab the money and put it where we think it needs to be and make rash decisions and actually think about some new innovative ways. I really think there's something there and that we could do it, but totally. I don't know. All right. Totally. I mean, you, you'd probably know being from Texas, the, uh, the last man standing there yes. that used to, is it true that they stopped doing it because I don't know, they said they can't, couldn't get enough spectators or what? Oh no, it's absolutely I, true. That's what I, I mean, heard. I, I don't know if it's true, was, but that's I what I heard. For all three years that it took place. Um, and the, I mean, as it took place throughout the year, sure, the numbers grew, but man, no. Yeah, they, the turnout was, was minimal at best, unfortunately. Um, and so then you've, I mean, you could kind of take my screen as a big map, um, you know, and it's yep. like everybody gets here and signs in. Well, then the start's over here, and then all of a sudden they're over here because they got to get to this test section, kind of neat bit, and then they're coming over here for Joshua Tree. You know, it, it's, it, and then they realize, oh, People are, don't know how to get around. We don't want them to bring in their own vehicles for liability. So let's do a tramp. Right. Okay, well, they tried doing a tramp. You know, and so, and of course, right. Munster, they say it was in Munster, Texas. Well, Munster is 15 miles from Bulcher, where the, you know, the race actually was. And then Munster's okay. 15 minutes from Gainesville, which is an hour from DF. You know, so were they close to absolutely anything? No. Was it yep. a bitch right. to get around? Absolutely. And did it fail miserably because of that? I mean, I would say it failed, but that's exactly why it stopped. Um, right. So it, it, yeah. I mean, was it awesome to watch those guys ride what, it, what they rode? Yeah. But it's exactly what you said. Totally. Totally. It, and as a racer, it was probably one of the coolest things going. Sure. You know, I, I wish I, I wish I, I, I wanted to get out there too. I, uh, I almost made it to the first year, but I didn't get out there. But I think one of the, I definitely think that that's kind of what I, I look at. On one side of the, the spectrum, it's like I love riding those type of events, enduros, hair scrambles, um, extreme events. But is that what the sport needs to grow? I'm I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Well, okay, Mr. 
John Day of the J-Day Off-Road Series. You know, we've had a really good time. We've had some really good discussions. It's going to be fun to archive this kind of stuff and, you know, look back on it maybe a year from now, see where we're at, see how things are going. Um, but go ahead, yep. you know, tell us, you know, where on the internet can people find you? Where can they find more about J-Day? Where can they, you know, tweet you real hard when they have opinions about being awesome? Um, jdayoffroad.com is the website. You can definitely follow up on updates and also all of our all of our videos go through there as well. Cool. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, John Day, at John Day Jr., uh, Instagram, jdayoffroad. And, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's about it as far as finding me. Facebook as well. Uh, if you search jdayoffroad, you'll find us there too. Awesome. Lots of good places to find all of our friends online. Of course, we have to say thank you very much to our supporters. Uh, Fly Racing is a very large supporter of Seat Time. We could not be here without them. They definitely uh, they partner with us and help us pay for the hosting and a lot of the server space that all this kinds of stuff goes on. So please go check them out. I just got in my new Hyperlite gear that I ordered um, with my little discount that I get, and it's awesome. It's so much fun to look at. It's touching it. I'm going to race in it this weekend. If I go race, hopefully I do. It's a good stuff. Please go check it out. Flyracing.com. Great supporter of Seat Time. Where can you find Seat Time online? Well, as I try to bring all this stuff up, SeatTime.co is the website. Not com.co. SeatTime.co is where you can find all these shenanigans. We have all of our episodes archived there slowly on YouTube as well. Then if you were to find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash SeatTime, of course, where you could be our friend on the book of the face. And if you wanted to tweet us real hard on Twitter, it would be twitter.com slash seattime underscore shio. So we're on Instagram as well. It's just regular old seattime. I haven't made a lower third for that yet because I keep forgetting. But one day I have a feeling it's going to happen. So Mr. John Day, I really appreciate you being on online, talking to Thanks, us, man. Dude. We're here all Thanks the time. Thanks for having oh, me. Awesome. Heck yeah, dude. So we're looking forward to it. I really hope that I can make it down to Florida so that not only can uh, I, I check out your race in person, but I can meet you. We can high-five it out. Maybe have a brewski when it's all totally. done. So, uh, yeah, not the, wor- not yep, the worst. If, you guys thing, are, right? if anyone's heading down to Bike Creek, March 9th, um, a couple days before the GNCC, get some seat time in the sand at uh, – Time the the J-Day Off-Road like it. at uh, Bostwick Creek. So I should have a uh, a flyer up on the website um, probably within a, a week or so. And and definitely uh, if you go there to race or spectate, you, you'll like it. So All right. I'm looking forward to liking it regardless. I'm going to try to be there. I really appreciate you doing what you do and then talking to us about it. So seat time. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. That doesn't mean you have to drink illegally. That just means you have to have a good time responsibly. So take that to the bank and smoke it or whatever the slogan may be. I don't know. Stay on the line, buddy. I have have something I actually want to talk to you about. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Seat time's a good time. Remember to come back. We'll talk to you later. Seat time. Peace, bitches.